Two weeks to Pesach. Um, always uh, makes everyone get a little excited. Hopefully not too stressed. But um, yeah, uh, with the new month of Nisan this Shabbos. Big Shabbos. Three Torahs. Almost never happens. This is a short Parsha, but I would say a profoundly important Parsha. The Parsha starts off, it talks about when a child's born, talks about brismila, circumcision. And a large, large part of the Parsha, the vast majority of it, talks about what is loosely translated as leprosy. Saras. Saras was a spiritual disease which had a physical expression. It was around in the times of the temple. We no longer have it. And the most famous thing, most famous cause of this spiritual slash physical disease, which expressed itself in various uh, uh, colors and growths on and, and, and uh, a person's body and their clothing and even their houses. Very, very fascinating thing. But the, the, the Talmud d- d- discusses why would, it, why would it come, but the most famous reason why it would come would for the sin of Lashon Hara, which speaking not nicely about other people encompasses many areas. But today, you know, we don't really see the one of the incredible things about living in the time of the prophets and times of the temple was that we actually saw consequences real time for things that the Torah says not to do. Today we gossip all the time and then we think nothing happens and really something incredible is happening. And then, and, and used to be, you know, I don't know exactly, you know, uh, when it would happen, but the cause, the mo- most famous cause is Lashnar. So the, Chab, the, um, the Chabetz Chaim points out that one of the features of the person who gets Saras, who he's called a Matsora, one of the features is that there's a whole process, depends how long he has it for, he has to go to the high priest to, to take a look at it. One of the features is, is that he has to leave the city. And it's in fact the only requirement, really, um, for any type of impurity or anything like that, where there is such a requirement. And the Chassam Sofer explains, he says that if we look at the different physical um, manifestations of this disease, we can learn a lot about what a person could do to not uh, speak ill of other people. And it says one of the, the first type of, of um Features is they the se'es. The se'es is when there's a a a, um, a rising of the skin, a swelling, and that says the chasam sofer is the first reason why often I might speak not kindly about you because I'm trying to push myself up. And if you know, none of us want to hurt anybody else. If we understand why, what might be motivating us to uh, say something not nice to, to, about someone else, it will help us because we're all good people. So the first is when a person would get this raising, this swelling, that would remind them, you know what? Don't, don't, don't push yourself up by pushing other people down. 
The second one that often happened was the scab. A scab, the word for scab in Hebrew is, is similar to the word to join. And the second very common reason why sometimes we will talk ill of other people is because of social pressure. You want to be part of the group? You really ask yourself, you know what, I don't really think we should talk about this, but you end up saying because you want to please other people, you don't want to be embarrassed. And that's the second sign. The third sign is the Baharis. The Baharis is a bright spot. What's a bright spot? That um, sometimes a person um, actually is not feeling good about themselves and um, they know they may have harmed someone even. And what they'll do to justify it is they'll speak badly about that person because that will vindicate themselves in their mind that, you know, that person, um, you know, it's really not so bad what I did because they're not such a good person anyway. So those are three common motivations. One person just doesn't feel good about themselves in general, push someone else down that pushes you up. Second one is social pressure. Third one is you know that you didn't treat that particular person not nicely and you want to um, kind of like vindicate and validate it by saying this person is not that good or the person deserved it. Okay. Now, taking us through this very interesting process. So one of the things he has to do, he's got to rip his clothes. He's got to let his hair grow. And a number of, of activities that would bring on a sense of humility. And kind of what we just said before, the Chavetz Chaim writes that, now the Chavetz Chaim, by the way, the name, his name was not Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim passed away shortly before World War II. He was the undisputed leader of Jewry in Europe. And he, his name was actually Rabbi Yisrael Meir HaKohen Kagan. He wrote a book called The Chafetz Chaim. The Chafetz Chaim means he who loves life. It's based on the verse that says that a person who loves life will guard their tongue. And he wrote the, he famously wrote this book about the laws and the concepts of inspiration about talking nicely and not talking not nicely. And it's become a classic. It's a famous, it, it's really, it's been a really a game changer for the Jewish people. So we call him by his book. So, the, so most of all I'm going to say today is inspired from uh, the Chavetz Chaim's many writings on this topic. So one reason that we might sometimes fool ourselves to think how we can talk not nicely about... Now, Mr. Shapiro, I never heard him say a not nice word about anybody. And for that matter, I've never heard Mrs. Weissman say anything not nice about everybody. And anyone else out there... I, you know, there's a lot, a lot of nice people out there. So why would anybody nice say something not nice? So the Chavetz Laim says is that often we forget how limited we are. Because in our, our, in our mind, we're thinking, well, I'm wonderful. I don't make any mistakes. And when you look at someone else, it makes it easier to point that out when you forget that you also make a lot of mistakes. And if a person is cognizant of the fact that they make lots of mistakes, they may think twice before they start speaking mad about someone else who, who may have the same as you may do the same thing they do, and you may even do it worse. 
So that's one suggestion. That's why the Mitzora needs to um, write things over, uh, to, sorry, to, to act in ways that induce humility so a person could feel that way. Because the part, Judaism, Judaism does not believe in punishment for punishment's sakes. Punishment is there to accomplish something. And the purpose of this whole process was not merely just to, you did bad, you get punished. I'm not saying there's never a place for that. But as a rule, the Torah's um, uh, processes are there to help a person be rehabilitated. That's why in Judaism, there's no real concept of straight-up jail. We have all kinds of rehabilitation process, and a lot of the new ideas that are out there, there are some that aren't very good ideas, but there are a lot of good ideas out there, and many of those ideas actually have their origin if you look in the Torah. Um, so one of the things that the Mitzorah has to do when he's outside the city is he's commanded, he's requested and commanded as well to say, to, to let people know what his story is. He says, I am impure, I am impure. And the reason he's supposed to do that, the Talmud and Sota says, is to, um, is to, that people will pray for him. People will pray for him. You know, he's in a bad spot. He needs help. And this is a very important uh, Jewish ideal, Jewish value, that we pray for other people. When we know, the assumption here is that if he lets people know that he's in a rough spot, people will feel the need to pray. And when we hear sad things happen to other people or, or bad predicaments, a lot of times we can't do anything. But what we can do is we can we can feel their pain and we can ask God to um, to help. Um, another reason that the Talmud says why a person could get lashon could get saras it's similar to this, but it's a little more little more specific. It says person who is a saras ayin. A saras ayin literally means someone who is narrow of eye, which means that he, he just doesn't have the expansiveness to look at things in a, in a uh, different way to second-guess himself. Just a very narrow, this is the way I see it, that's the way it is. And the Chedushirim says that that um, that uh, it's it's very, you know, there's actually an interesting word. The word for tzaras is called a nega. Now, the same letter as nega, which means affliction, basically. And if you flip the words around, the letters around, it's actually oneg, which is enjoyment. And that is brings to light this idea that depending how you look at things, um, will really uh, dictate how you feel about them and how you talk about them. And that is something that, 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 that we're implored to do 
is because often we say, look, you know, it's very hard once you have a negative opinion about someone or something to not end up talking about it. I'm not saying that we can't, but it's hard. But what's a lot easier, not easier, but what kind of is preventative is if we work on not even having those negative opinions in the first place, but we can second guess ourselves and look at things in a more positive way. It's interesting that the Torah, when it talks about this person, it calls him an Adam, him or her, by the way. This is not, uh, this is equally applies to men and women. It calls them an Adam. An Adam is rarely used in the Torah. Adam was the name of the first man. But since the, the time of the first man, it's not usually the way we refer to a generic person. Say, Ish. So Ramnison Albert pointed out that that the word Adam, when the Torah uses it, is usually a, a statement that we're talking about a distinguished, respectful person. And Ms. Alpha pointed out that this means that we're not, saying, we're not talking about lowlifes here. We're talking about a person who's a very respectable person. And yes, respectable people will make the mistake and speak um, inappropriately. And that's something which uh, we find great stories with very great men, such as the Chabad Chaim, and uh, that uh, we, we shouldn't think that we're, that is something that we can uh, ignore. Uh, it really, it, it, uh, it affects everybody and anyone can fall uh, prey to this, this, this challenge. So, But if someone has another piece about why he's calling the person here an Adam, he says that it's it, it's a, there's actually a famous story, a very a little bit of infamous story. It was called the um, the Bialish trials. There was a Jew in Russia who got uh, got a, got a, there was a blood libel against him. It was a horrible story. And what happened was, is that um, Jews all over the world lobbied for this person's release. And what happened was, was um, there was a lot of anti-Semitism there. And they wanted to, in fact, bring out how the Jews are racist people. And one place that they, uh, I guess the Bible critic found to to frame the Jews, when it says, it says somewhere, it says that Jews are Adam. Jews are people, and idol worshippers, not Jewish people, are not people. Now, taken out of context, sounds pretty bad. But, they, so, and that was a real bad, that was considered like, here you see, Jews are anti-Semitic, Jews are racist, they called him the famous court cover Rebbe. I said that wrong. The court cover Rebbe. And he said, you have to understand what the Torah is saying here. The Torah is not, God forbid, saying that not Jewish people are not humans. He said, you have to understand that the Jewish people are one organism. So do you see how you have a Jew, a Russian Jewish person, and Jews from all over the world. 
are praying, are giving money, or lobbying. You know why? You only do that for yourself. And we got, you know, we hear things, you know, we can things can bother us, we can care, but it's incredible. You really think about what's happening. You know, there's so many of these, these crowd funds. You know, this week alone, I've seen crowd funds for for families and crowd funds for places across the world, and people just give and give and give because they feel like it's them, and that's a really a unique concept that one of the greatest gifts that God gave us is he, he gave us a unity. There's so much in Judaism about Jewish unity. And we really feel like one person. And that's, that's a, that is a, it's not a knock on someone who's not Jewish. It's a special togetherness that Jewish people have. And it's, it's really what's kept us over the many years of all the challenges that uh, that we've had, and this says from a Gottfried, is why the Torah refers to this person who spoke not nicely about someone else as an Adam. He says, "Remember, Mister, you are a Jew, and Jews are one. And the same way, you never talk badly about your hand." You don't talk backly about someone else. Now, one of the features of how this process worked was that a person would have this unusual spot on their body, and they would go to the Kohen, and the Kohen would have to proclaim what it was. So the verse says the Kohen would see it, and then the, the reverse, which in the Torah is, is, is not done, is redundant, seemingly redundant. It says the Kohen saw it and proclaimed it. So um, the uh, Medrash says over here, the Meshachachma says, that there was a law that when, the, when you showed it to the Kohen, there were certain days or periods of time when the Kohen was allowed to use his discretion and to postpone the beginning of the, of, of the Tsaras process. For example, if it was a holiday, someone the first day of Sukkot, he's all excited, he wakes up in the morning in his Sukkah and he sees, I got Tsaras, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to miss the whole Sukkot. So he goes to the Kohen, and the Kohen sees it. And even if he sees it, that's the person, he sees it the first time, He's allowed to not comment on it and say, come back in a week. Similarly, if someone is a chatan or a kal, they just got married. And we see from here, and this is something which, again, you know, we all know these things. It's just a question of reminding ourselves and really, uh, you know, at the time. Um, so the, so the Meshachachma says that we see how important the um, timing is. There's so many things, I'm sure you've had situations where either someone said something to you or you said something to someone else and you could have said it, but it was the wrong time. It, right? So much is about timing. Someone was stressed and you said something. Someone wasn't stressed and you said something. And that's what we learned from here. We say, you know, this thing, this person is deserving of the punishment. He needs to get the message to change. But you know what? He doesn't deserve to lose his, 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 his honeymoon. 
He doesn't deserve to lose his holiday. He will learn, but he'll learn later. And that's something which the Torah is trying to teach us. One last idea, then we'll do a quick review. Is that it's just really a, a observation. You know, I have a friend of mine uh, who became uh, very involved in Judaism later in life. Earlier in his life was not very involved. And we become very close. And one time he uh, was sharing with me that, you know, when he goes with friends with, who aren't, you know, as involved in Judaism as he is, um, 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 that he noticed that the sensitivity towards talking nicely to other people is, is, is something which is really not out there. It's something which is, is, is very special that the Torah brings to our attention and is not out there. He noticed it was just like, we would go back to, now I'm not saying there aren't people out there who are ready to talk very nicely, but it's something which we have to realize that the natural tendency of us would be to talk this way. Because I don't think that his friends were bad people. I think they were good people who didn't have the privilege of having the education of the Torah. And that was something which was very clear to someone when they came in and they saw the not saying people who are very involved in Torah don't speak. We all do. We all make our mistakes. But it was a very clear thing that there's, even if people aren't as careful as they like, there's a sensitivity to it. And that's a beautiful thing. We have to appreciate it. And we also have to recognize how we have to be on guard. And, and the best way, for years now, there's been an organization in America called the Chafetz Chaim Heritage Foundation. It's a foundation which is completely focused on with tools and apps and emails and classes and books and anything you can imagine to help people not talk ill of other people. And one of their, they have so many books, and but they're, but the theme of all their books is that spend a few minutes a day, two little laws a day, two paragraphs, something to constantly remind yourselves to be learning and be inspired to talk properly about, about other people. So quick review. We start out by saying that you have this uh, this spiritual slash physical disease used to come to people when they would speak, when they would gossip, and we said one of the ways to learn not to gossip is to understand why would a person talk ill of other people, and we said how the different physical manifestations taught us about it. We learned how that sometimes you do it to push yourself up, sometimes you do it. To, for social pressure. Sometimes you do it to validate something that you did. We learned about the need to be humble. When a person's humble, they realize, oh, who am I to speak that nice about someone else? I'm not that great myself. We learned about how the idea about, about praying for the people when, they, when, when they're in need, caring about them. We learned about the idea of being able to have a more of an expansive view and to recognize, you know, you don't may not have all the factors. There's other ways of looking at things. Maybe it's not as bad as it seems. We learned from Rebnison Alpert that, you know, this is not something which is relegated to the dregs of society. This is something that a very high-level aristocratic person can do, and we need to be aware of that. We learned that if a person realizes that, you know, we're all one, and you won't speak that nicely about someone else. We learned from the Meshachachma that timing is everything. And lastly, we learned how amazing and how special it is. We have to understand the, the <laughs> excuse me, uh, the nature 
that people naturally do talk not nicely, and we just have to take the directions from the Torah and to take advantage of all the things that we can do to help us in this area. And we will have wonderful relationships if we do that. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for coming on.